this morning, um, first of all, if you're here for the first time, welcome. We want to welcome you here today. We're uh, continuing a series that we're in in the book of Matthew, and we'll be in that, that, that book for, I think, two years. So if you're here today, you're looking for a church home, this is a good time to be here. We're just beginning. So you got two years to figure out whether or not you want to be here to stay. So welcome. Welcome. Um, I'm a little overwhelmed at, at the moment, to be honest with you. I'm a little overwhelmed uh, to sit here and, 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 and just experience the grace and the goodness of God in, in such a tangible way. It, it just moves. It just moves me. It just moves me, and it actually interrupts me. And that's the, the title of my sermon today, is Interrupted by Grace. Have you ever been interrupted by grace? Amen. But as we were just singing that last song, I was thinking about when the Lord interrupted my life by his grace. You know, I had just went and bought some sleeping pills, and I was getting ready to take my life. And the Lord interrupted me with his grace through a neighbor that had been inviting me to come to church. And that was a bold move on that individual's part. But it's boldness that made all the difference. And that's why I love our text today. We're in chapter 3 of the book of Matthew. And what I'm going to do as I read this and when we get to the text, I want to break it up because it's really bracketed. There's 12 verses that I'll be going through. And there's the first set of six we'll walk through. In the first set of six, it, it introduces us to a group of people that are receiving God's grace, being interrupted by his grace, moved by his grace, And they do something. They respond to the grace of God. And then we'll move into that second set of six verses. And we'll see a whole nother group of people with a different response. Or at least uh, a different approach to what this brother John the Baptist is doing. John, the cousin of Jesus, is preparing the way. He came to prepare the way boldly. And he was interrupting things. I mean, from King Herod to leaders that were hypocritical, he was one that would just bring it as it is. He would just tell the truth with no worries or doubts or fears. And that's actually been the prayer for me today, that I would do just that. And it's interesting that that I would be, that God would select me for such a text like this. Because if you were a, a, a Bible nerd, you might have a, a poster in your, in your bedroom as a teenager with John the Baptist on the, on the front of that thing because he was just, he, something about him is something we all want to be. We want to be witnesses for Christ in a bold way. Amen? And he's doing that. But it's interesting to me that when Pastor Jim had approached me and told me that this was the assignment, I couldn't, I, I couldn't have felt further from being bold and courageous. 
If I'm honest with you, I felt intimidated, inadequate, fearful, and scared. And I don't know what you all are facing today or what God is doing in your life right now, but you might be able to relate to some of those feelings. But the good news is that God doesn't leave us in our fears, in our inadequacies. He does something. He often interrupts all that with his grace. So let's start in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Now, it's, it, it's important here that I mention here, when, when phrases are repeated, that's a, 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 sign, a signal that we need to pay attention closely. And then here in the first three verses, we see this in the wilderness. In the wilderness. And it's important to see this because for 400 years, there was silence. God's word wasn't being proclaimed like this. The, 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 there wasn't a prophet that was heralding God's word in this way. But now, in the wilderness, it's being heard again. And in this text, we see here from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. It had been 700 years had passed, and now this, this prophecy is now being made known and revealed. That's exciting. Could you imagine the people that were waiting for this, this, this Messiah that would come? It is now happening. It is now happening. It's also important to notice here. So far, we've read in Matthew, we've seen the birth of Christ, and we've seen how even his birth was interrupting some things. It was causing all types of things to happen. But John the Baptist's birth is, is similar in a way. The way he came about was similar. Because as we read here, it said that people were going out to him from all over the place. And I thought when I read that, well, how, what, what was... How did the word get out? I mean, there's no Facebook and Instagram. and all, you know, how, did, how did they know? But they had already been looking forward. There was something about John the Baptist that was a little bit different. And it started even at his birth, even before his birth, when his father, Zechariah, was going in the temple as a priest. And it says in Luke chapter 1, it says that an angel appeared to him. And fear struck him. 
And the angel told him, your wife Elizabeth is going to give birth to a child at an old age as well. And he responds in a way that you probably shouldn't respond to an angel. He responds with doubt. How could this be because of the age? And it's interesting, I believe it's Gabriel now saying, you know, who, who, who are you to talk to in this way, little man? That's, that's, how I hear, that's how I hear him talking. That's how I hear the angel talking. Don't you know that I stand before the Lord, your God? You don't even know who you're talking to right now. And so he shuts his mouth. He makes it so he's unable to even speak again. And so let me read now a little bit from Luke's gospel, starting with verse 57, with that background in place for our our brother John the Baptist. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her, Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy because of her age, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up. No, she said, he is to be called John. This is what the angel told him he would be called. They said to her, there's no one among your relatives who has this name. Why John? Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like the child to be named. He asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately, his mouth was open and his tongue set free, and he began to speak and praise God. All the neighbors were filled with awe. All the neighbors. All. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who had heard this wondered about it, asking, what then? Is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand is on him. That's amazing right there. They had been watching. They had been watching. They had been anticipating something to come. And I know I'm amongst believers right now that have been anticipating God to do something in your life. There's an anticipation, and the people are now responding to that. They recognize, that's that brother John. You know, the crazy one out in the wilderness with the, with the, with the cool fashion sense and all that stuff. That's him. And remember when he was born, what had happened. We remember all that. And so they respond. And we find them out in the desert or out in the wilderness, out at the Jordan. In the mucky waters. I don't know if they were mucky then, but they're mucky now. I've been there. I've seen it. I wouldn't get in that water. But God is doing something. And here's the thing. John didn't allow the people just to have an emotional response of the heart. He, 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 they, had, they had to respond in a way. There was a physical movement. They actually had to show up to the river that day. They had to be prepared to receive what God was now proclaiming out here in the wilderness. Are you prepared this morning 
to receive what God may have for you today in your wilderness. Now, I know, I know. Maybe you're not in the wilderness. Maybe right now all things are good and praise God for that. But there's some of us here in our own wildernesses. And so all is well, I would say. They're having church. This is revival. There's things happening. People, you can imagine, they're confessing their sins. Do you all know the, 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 the weight of burdens when you can confess a sin and it just drops? Do you know that feeling? You know, some things that have been in there for years and years just, just holding you down in bondage, they're confessing it. There's a sound in the wilderness, ooh, that the Lord is making that is penetrating the hearts of the people, and they're diving in to the waters. I think there's a Stephen Curtis Chapman song or something like that. I'm diving in. But then we get to verse 7. Then we get to verse 7 and things change. You know, the setting is there. God is moving amongst the people. They're having this revival. Everything is great until the church people show up. Isn't that interesting? All is well until these religious elite people, these people that feel like I don't need to receive anything, don't interrupt me. I'm fine. Can't you see my robes? Can't you see my awards from the amount of scriptures I can recite in front of you? I'm good. I don't need this grace. And, and that's the attitude that, that we pick up on in verse 7. Listen to this. But when he saw, meaning John, when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you road of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think that you can say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown in the fire. Now, if we're going back to these literary devices again, we're going to notice here that fire is mentioned three times. Three times it's mentioned in there. But what I want to get back to real quick is this word repentance, because that's important, and we don't talk about repentance that much. If we were to take a quick Christian quiz, we probably wouldn't even be able to give a definition to that. Or if I were to ask you, when's the last time you repented, you might kind of look at me sideways. What are you talking about, pastor? I don't need to repent. But see, this interruption of grace is something that we need to receive daily. It's a daily thing. And that's where I think we miss it as a church. We feel like we've already arrived, that, that we don't need to get in those waters, that we don't need to receive God's interruption in our life. But that couldn't be the furthest from the truth. I need the gospel daily. 
And if we're honest with ourselves and we put our hearts before the cross, before who Jesus is, we know we need his grace daily. But they're not at this point. The Pharisees and the Sadducees aren't at this point and they have a problem what's happening in here. And I love it because John the Baptist isn't letting them get away with any of this. He's bold. I love that. That was the prayer that was prayed over me today that I would be bold. And I feel bold this morning, I really do. He's bold and that's, that's what's missing I believe amongst us today, a boldness. And that boldness is only created when we have an assurance in what has been done at the cross. Until we've been truly interrupted by this grace, we don't really have nothing to lean on. Oh, I know I'm talking to someone in here this morning. And so John comes straight at them, calls them a brood of vipers, something dangerous, something that brings a hindrance, something that uh, is able to destroy or kill He's not messing around. And he begins to prepare. He begins to prepare because the people already know who John the Baptist is. They know who he is. He had, he's well respected. But he begins to say, there's someone who's coming who is greater than I. He's greater than I. You have a problem with me? Wait till you see who's coming. Because he's really about to interrupt your program here. All your traditions, all your little things that you do, he's about to come in here and literally flip some tables. That's what he's about to do. So before you keep, keep sticking your chest out and, you know, you know, come in here with all your kudos and all that stuff, get ready. Because there's one who is coming who is greater. I love that. I love the humility in that. Because at this time, it's even said... Jesus even said it, among men there's no one greater than John the Baptist. But here we have one who is coming, who is greater. And I don't know what you're facing this morning, but you may need to hear there's someone preparing, there's someone who is coming, there's someone who has come who is greater. It's greater than whatever you've been facing. That's the hope of the gospel. If it's not, then what are we here for? Because you don't have anything to offer me. You don't have nothing to offer me, world. I need Jesus Christ, the hope of glory, to come and resurrect my life. This is what is real. I don't need another program. I don't need another social movement. I need the gospel of Jesus Christ to come and transform me. And that, and that is exactly what's beginning to happen. Oh, you can hear the echoes of John the Baptist over the waters. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. I love it. I love saying that. They made me write down my sermon this time. I, I had to read that over and over again, but like, the echoes of John the Baptist. And we give the Pharisees a hard time. We really do. 
we give them a hard time and we can make some judgments even on them. You know, a few years ago, I would have said, uh, uh, yeah, I'm the furthest from a Pharisee. You know, when I graduated from, from seminary in 2019, I had already been in, in um, ministry for a while and it went, went to seminary and uh, felt like I was ready. I'm ready to minister, been ready. And then I took a role as the lead chaplain in the Kent County Jail and the Lord began to do something in my heart. The text in here says that his winnowing fork and will, will, will clear the threshing floor. The, the Lord began to clear the threshing floor in my heart and began to show me some things. Have, have you ever had where the Lord just begins to show you you? And so he did that in the Kent County Jail. Because there was some things in there that I was seeing that I really couldn't take. I couldn't take it. It was too hard to see. I couldn't, I didn't want to feel it. And I began to distance myself against some of the people that were in there. To just be honest with, can we be real this morning? And I'm a Christian, saved by God's grace, but I began to hold on to that grace for my own, and I wasn't beginning to extend it out to others. And so I had noticed myself moving away from, from some crimes, some of the alleged crimes that some people had, and kind of steering over to, to up some other ones because it just seemed easier. It was too messy. It was too messy. And that's what happens when you get domesticated as a Christian. You forget how messy the cross is. You see, God is, does his best work, I believe, in that mess. But we begin to hinder things when we don't move into that mess. And that's what I was doing. But it was almost like the Lord took, took, took my face because... And held it in his hands because what I had did, I wanted to put almost a sheet over all the sin in the city. I, I wanted to cover, cover it all up and keep it far from me. But the Lord, it seemed like he, 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 he took his hands and put them on my face and told me to look. And he began to move all that and reveal what he died for. And that's a messy thing. I imagine when he died on the cross that day that people had to look away because how messy and brutal it was. And so the Lord began to deal with me in that. There's two groups of people in this text this morning. There's those that by the grace of God hear the instruction of John the Baptist and they show up. Verse 6 is so important. They show up. They hear that they need to repent and confess their sins and they do that. 
And then there's a group that shows up and become almost a hindrance. And that's exactly, exactly what I was becoming, was a hindrance to the grace of God. Amen? And that's not what we want to be as a church. The church is what God is using in this earth to advance his kingdom. And the first thing that we need to do is be broken before him. We need to allow him to interrupt us with his grace. Would you allow him this morning to do that? Are you allowing him this morning to do that in your life? I don't even know why I'm flicking these pages. I'm so far off my, these notes right now. <laughs> I just want to make it look, you know, I got to make, yeah. His grace interrupted me that day. Will you allow him to interrupt your life today? And how is he doing that in your life today? I'm going to read a, um, a parable that Jesus quoted out of Luke 18. And thinking of these two groups of people. And I want you to think about where would you fall if we were in the wilderness again that day. And your heart was in its current state. Where would you land which which group would you be a part of Luke 18 starting with verse 10 says or 9 to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else Jesus told this parable two men went up to the temple to pray one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, and adulterers, or even like the tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you the truth. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus so, is so clear and concise in this. He just makes it, let me just make it real clear to you and gives this parable. I believe the Lord wants to ask us a question as the body of Christ this morning. Where is your heart at this morning? Where is your heart in terms of extending grace to the people that are lost, broken, and hurting? Because that is who he came for. That is who he's called us to serve and to reach out to. Or are we just trying to build our own kingdom? 
Whose kingdom are we trying to advance? As Christians, we're called to advance, to move in places that where the hurting and broken are. Not to judge them. Where are you this morning? I mentioned earlier about those three fires that were mentioned. Verse 11, chapter 3 of Matthew. John says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning the chaff with unquenchable fire. The phrase I want you to latch on here is he will, because that's important. He will. This is key to the gospel. It's him doing the work. See, we can begin to get it twisted and think that it's all about what we need to do rather than focus on, focusing on what he has already done at the cross. What is the work he wants to do in us? What is the work that he is beginning to do in you? Are you listening to the word of God here this morning? Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. And what's even more sobering is the kingdom of God is now here. It is here. He has come. And he's coming again. And have you allowed him to interrupt your heart with his grace so that you are prepared for his coming? That's something we have to wrestle with this morning. Where is your heart before the Lord this morning? Are you one that's ready to, to come before the Lord recognizing your sin and confessing your need for him? Or are you here standing boldly before him saying, I don't have a need for you this morning, Lord. I'm good. As a time of reflection, that's the question that I want to ask us all this morning. Where is your heart before the Lord this morning? And so with every head bowed, we're just going to pray. Father, we come before you now. 
standing at the cross. Knowing, Lord, that we are in need, we are in desperate need of your grace to interrupt us now in this moment. Father, we ask, Lord, that in this moment your Holy Spirit would come and show us where we have hindered what you want to do in the hearts of people, but also even in our own lives. Maybe there's someone we need to forgive that we haven't forgiven. Maybe there's some things that we've done cause harm to others that we haven't confessed or even dealt with. Or maybe, Lord, we just don't know why this emptiness, why this hurt, why this, why this pain. But Father, we're thankful for our word tells us this morning that John the Baptist prepared the way for you, Jesus. You are here in this moment. And so, Father, we just come before you now and ask you to have your way. Have your way in our hearts. Begin to, to pull away those things that hinder those areas of our hearts that are hardened because of sin and bitterness. Father, we come before you now asking you to have your way. Move in our hearts, Lord. Fill us with your spirit and with your grace. Interrupt us now. In Jesus' name.